to Not So Much The Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek at great length, very loudly. My name is Kreen, and today I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And we are here today to talk about Mantrap. Now, I can already hear you fussing. Um, <laughs> Mantrap is in the first episode of the original Star Trek. We know. Cool your jets. This is actually the viewing order. So on September 8th, 1966, the first episode of Star Trek went out. Not actually the second pilot. It was the sixth episode in production, and I think it was supposed to be the third episode. I think that's right. It w- yeah. In order. But um, we're going by airing date. Um, I was outvoted. You were outvoted, mostly because... Uh, there was a vote? There was a secret vote. Okay, apparently I both won. Kim and I were outvoted. This is not democratic procedure correct. I voted and I decided because this was the episode that I watched twice. You see what we deal with here? Doing. So we are doing The Man Trap. And it's been a very tough week because Ari and I watched this episode together. And after it ended, immediately I wanted to talk about it. We actually watched it in complete silence. Which was very difficult. Apart from the occasional snort of laughter. There's a bit of derision. Um, and then Kim and I were texting, and we really wanted to talk about really it. Really wanted to talk about it. So, guys, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I, I, that's not exactly what I was expecting. No, that was not what I was expecting at all. I don't understand how you could feel otherwise. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I yelled. What? I was mad. Part of this episode. Mad. It was bad. Well, it wasn't, the episode wasn't bad, but there were parts where I was yelling at Kirk. Okay, so we have an interestingly even spectrum because I'm like right in the middle. <laughs> I don't understand how you couldn't enjoy it. It was like pure pleasure from start to finish. Well, I enjoyed it. I neither hated nor despised it. You had no feelings on it. <laughs> There was lots. No, of, lo- there's lots said. There's lots and lots of stuff that I really loved about it, but I did yell at the screen for like a solid ten minutes. So you must be such a fun neighbor. Um, so let's start. It's thirty <laughs> fifteen thirteen. They are on a routine medical examination to planet something or other. I was really interested in the fact that they sent an entire star. Thank you to give two people a quick checkup. Okay, so I was listening very carefully because I was like. It's planet M150, by the way. Mm -hmm. I wrote it down. Apparently, this is standard procedure for all of Starfleet, that they send, they have to do a routine medical examination for all people living on other planets. Well, that's not exactly what they said. Um, It's very close to what they said. For one thing, they're not Starfleet. They're just sort of under the auspices of Starfleet. They're archaeologists. He seemed to think he owned that planet. Yeah, that was the thing I didn't... That was one of the things that I was like, what the hell? Because, like, you're two guys who were sent to this planet to, like, dig up shit, and you have so much autonomy that you're allowed to tell, like, Kirk to get off I don't think he actually Mm -hmm. was. I think that was, like, a symptom of the weirdness that was going on in the background. But he he didn't have the weirdness. Because Kirk, because Kirk, no, but I mean, I think he was saying that to, like, drive them off, like he was being overblown. No, I think he seemed to imply that they didn't have any authority whatsoever. Except every single other thing we got from that episode said the opposite. I don't think that, yeah, but Kirk, because Kirk Kirk is a dead planet. Well, it's, yeah, but they're they're Federation citizens. Also, Kirk just really likes to walk into places and say, I'm in charge now. Well, no, and he, he, he talks over the guy because he's being irrational. He's like, no, these are the rules. You know these are the rules. You have to let us give you a medical examination. 
So the episode starts with a voiceover, as all great episodes of television with do. With the captain's log. As log. we saw from Heart of Dixie. To be specific, with the captain's log. With the captain's log. And we open on the Enterprise, and who's in the captain's chair? Spock. Spock. Spock <laughs> is our first, like, he's the first guy on screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, especially since he is not the main character in this episode at all. No. You don't find out who he is, like, I think about halfway through the episode or something? Uh, there's the conversation that he has with Uber a little bit oh, later yeah, to yeah, kind of establish who he is. But anyways, so, uh, Kirk and McCoy and some guy, I'm going to call him Denman, because that's close enough, <laughs> beam down on this planet to check out two archaeologists who have been studying this, apparently, there are ruins. He's an archaeologist. She's the wife. <laughs> Although she is wearing, like, archaeologist... She's wearing a garb. It lo- I, it, it, it's sort of like space archaeologist clothing. They actually kept a pretty similar uh, aesthetic all the way through Next Gen. Vaguely silver, kind of baggy. There's buckles. Not buckles, but, like, weird fastenings in places you can't really explain. Weird seams in places yeah. you wouldn't expect them that, to be. That continues to be the, like, standard issue, like, scientific other planet garb. Yeah. My favorite part about that is they beam down on the planet, and Kirk is, he's pretty chummy. Yeah. He's talking to McCoy, and apparently the wife, not the archaeologist lady, the wife, um, is an old flame of McCoy's yeah. from back in the day, and they walked out of each other's lives ten years ago, although it vacillates between ten and twelve uh, through yeah. the entire episode. Yeah. Well, maybe it was an on and off again for a couple of years. They were just, like, booty calling each other from across space for the last two? Whatever. My first note that Mm -hmm. I took on this is just romance with an exclamation (laughs) point. My first note was Kirk, McCoy, and red shirt. Parentheses, not red. No, he was not red. This is the actual... he's not going to make it. Yeah, well, the way that they beam down is Kirk and McCoy standing really close to each other, (laughs) like, broing out, like, you know, clearly comfortable in each other's space, and other guy over here somewhere. Like... So that guy's going to die. And, of course, we only know that because we know how Starfleet episodes work. But, uh, yeah. When you just started, you didn't know who would live or die. But anyways, so Kirk starts harvesting space flowers and says, oh, isn't that that what you do when you go visiting old girlfriends? And McCoy is very, very gruff. And he says, well, is that how you get girls to like you? You bribe them with flowers? (laughs) And then in one of my favorite moments of this episode... Kirk laughs and says, ha ha, bitch, please, I just show up and the girls show up. Like, <laughs> no need no stinking flowers, just this. It's also so fond, which I really like, because even though this is very clearly not the first episode. I would don't argue get, it's amazing pilot. Well, we don't get interest to everybody, but they do immediately seem, in contrast especially to the cage, mm. they're clearly friends. Yes. They I really, clearly like each I other. I did notice that the whole episode is that Kirk seems like, very, like, especially when they're up in the medical bay and stuff like that, Kirk is just very, very fond of McCoy, and he's fond, <laughs> well, he's fond and of putting <laughs> fond in quotation marks. It's, well, they're it's all awful. very fond of each other. We get all these little bits and pieces of, like, friendships and relationships, and, and all throughout the episode. Like, like they're, they have a relationship. There's a pre-existing relationship between all of these characters, which I yeah. really enjoy. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. Part of what I hate about pilots is they're like, oh, here's this person. Here are their special character traits. Here is their relationship to that person. There Except was, in Atlantis and Eureka. There's no fish out of water character. There's nobody no. who's being introduced to the universe mm. so, as like an audience surrogate so that they can you can dive in and learn about it with them. I feel mm. like it's a relatively modern television uh, cliche, I though. Think so I don't. I don't like. I think that's later a very than traditional the way of doing a pilot is you have at least one character who's kind of 
especially in science fiction and fantasy, kind of t- leading you through. But because this is a third episode rather than a first episode, you don't get, like, the walkthrough of here's the ship, here's engineering. It's just like, okay, well, here's just another day in the life of these amazing space heroes. Love to see when we, when we get to what was intended to be narratively the first pilot, whether they actually do that, because I don't remember. And that's one of the, that's actually a note that I made that it was... Um, that for for this being a pilot, mm-hmm. so much of the episode didn't take place on the ship, and the introduction to the episode was not on the ship, which well, I thought it, was because it wasn't intended to be. The well, pilot. yeah, I know that, but just even if you didn't know that, if you were just watching this, yeah, that would be. I think that's just a weird choice. I would have found it incredibly off putting. Well, okay, so the background behind that is that when they showed the network where no one has been before, where no man has gone before. Whatever. It's an iconic phrase. Um, the network needed it. Uh, so they said, and I quote, it's too expository. I do not disagree with that. That's what a pilot's supposed to be. It doesn't necessarily have to. They're introducing a completely new concept, like the space drama. You have to, like, it has to be punchy. But anyway, so they had six episodes finished. And they had to go back, like, after the network nixed this one and say, okay. Well, they weren't finished all of them, were they, though? Because there were a couple that got axed out of the, the possibility because they weren't going to be done in time. Well, they didn't the have the special six. effects, like, completely done. Yeah. So they, they looked they looked at the ones that they had finished, like Charlie X. Too gentle. Yeah, that it wasn't enough of, like, an interesting story. There's a guy with freaking telekinesis. What kind of more do you want? A murderer with telekinesis. Evolves into a murder. Um, and then Mud's Woman, which was considered uh, too sexy. Ew. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of landed on this one. It's a very traditional sci-fi, very straightforward. sci-fi story. There's a monster in it. Um, there's obvious peril. I mean, account. and once we get back up onto the ship, it's mm-hmm. not bad because we get to meet everybody or most everybody. Mm-hmm. And we do get something of a walking tour of the ship. But it was just, I thought it was a really, really long time to spend away from your main set for a pilot. It was. To start with. I can understand your criticism, but I do take it to heart. I have a philosophical objection to start with, with airing things out of narrative order, because usually it ruins a show. And it was not actually, I think it was probably a contributing factor to the ratings the show got in the first season. I don't think where no man has gone before is any better of a pilot than the mantra. I think narratively it makes more sense than the mantra. I will weigh in on this debate in like three episodes because I do not remember (laughs) what it's about. Okay, so let's table that and we will revisit. Hmm. So they meet Nancy, Leonard's old flame, and when McCoy looks at her, she is a foxy girl of 25. Yep. Uh, When Kirk looks at her... She looks like herself. She looks like she would be their age. Well, what I my guess was that he had actually looked at a picture of her, like in her record or something, and so he actually saw her as she was, or how she would have been, as it turns out later. I I, and he has no emotional connection to it. No, but he's kind like. Well, this makes do this we makes want sense. to reveal this? Yeah, because this episode yeah. is like she's an octopus old. salt monster of some she's kind. She's a salt vampire. She's a yeah. salt vampire. Yes. Yeah. I think that he sees what he expects to see, but it's weird because when Denman, as far as we know his name is, <laughs> sees a hot blonde. Like, yeah, he sees from, like an 18 year old blonde with like an amazing hairdo. That yeah, was yeah. And what awesome. he says is, You remind me of a girl I met on Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. And I want to stop for a second <laughs> to examine this. So he's essentially saying, I would have sworn to God, you were a prostitute. Essentially, yes. Yeah. But now, Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Wrigley's. Yes. Wrigley's. 
I'm assuming that like is the gum. Yep. With <laughs> leaves. Oh, oh my Kim. Kim. Um, eventually <laughs> was transformed into Risa. 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 Um, but they thought that. Wrigley's pleasure planet was a little bit too human, so they wanted a little bit of alien thing. So that idea eventually evolved into that planet. But yeah, that that's that's something to say to a woman. Ah, I remember you paying, look like a pro- I remember paying to have sex with you. Charmed. <laughs> nice to meet you. Kirk was and rightly <laughs> slapping him down. Yeah, because everybody's acting really weird, and and Kirk. I, Kirk seems to be the one who's the least affected by her, but I think that's because he's like McCoy has an obvious emotional prejudice here. Yeah, where he's seeing her as he remembers her, as he wants to remember her. The ensign, I don't know how to explain that except that he's a horn dog of some kind. Well, is, is, well, I mean, from what I understand of this salt vampire thing, is that she uses the people's thoughts and emotions yeah, to like yeah. couch herself in what they want. To it's see an, it's an evolutionary defense. So, does Kirk just want to see the job that he's sent to yeah, do? Yeah, that's but right. It's very, very strange because Professor Crater later on says, oh, when you see her again, she'll be what you expect her to be. She'll be a more appropriate age. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was very, very strange. Yeah, because everybody stands around being all creepy about her and, and yes, there's some I, extremely I, uncomfortable I, I'm going to her. replace Denon with Lieutenant Boner as it is in my notes. <laughs> Boner, oh my also, god. Accurate, but oh my accurate. god. Nancy calls him Plum. Yes, apparently that was uh, Bones' nickname. Yeah. When they were young, called him Plum. Yeah. And Kirk's face just lights up with absolute it's joy. Amazing. I can only assume Plum. that it's a reference to his, like, te- one testicle. <laughs> but, okay, how does, how does the salt monster know that? Because... Well, she's reading... You get... She actually reads their memories of them. So she would have known what he knew his nickname was. So, so she gets that... It reads mine. Yeah, it, re- it constructs her... It constructs the illusion from their memories of the person that they're remembering. Okay. And so they, she looks at Bones and she goes, oh, well, obviously the most appropriate person for me to mimic is is Nancy. But Nancy, as he remembers her, and, and oh, by the way, she called him Plum. So uh, let's see. So they, they have this incredibly creepy exchange and she goes, oh, okay, I'm going to go find my husband. And, uh, and she sashes past uh, Ensign Boner. Uh, who who sort of looks around and extremely non-sneakily follows her out, which seems like dereliction of duty to me, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, follows her out, and she sort of looks at him and gives him a sort of a come-hither glance, and to, to him she looks like the hot blonde. And then he follows her. Kate. Yeah. I have this in my notes about 15 times. Unprofessional behavior. Yes, yes, yes. So inappropriate. Super inappropriate. So, A, she is supposed to be McCoy's old flame, so that's kind of like... Yep. That's yep. the bro code. <laughs> Super that inappropriate. Is, she is married. Yeah. Super married. And, and you're also, on duty. Yeah. You're supposed to be guarding the cave of one. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the site. <laughs> Professor Crater shows up and he's, shall we say, antagonistic? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. So he shows up saying, we do, okay, actually, first we do get this, because um, we go to the theme right after they sort of wander off with suspicious music. She wanders off and Anson Boner follows her. Fade to black. We get the awesome theme for the really? first time. That's the last time we're going to mention It's that. a classic theme. Anyway, but the point is that we come back to this really cool establishing shot of the ruins, which I really you enjoy. Say that. They worked real hard on those styrofoam sets, Crane. Oh, there's some styrofoam. Well, but at the end, well, I shouldn't talk about it at the end, but since we're talking about the sets, when Kirk is, like, running around calling, you can hear the echo. Yes, 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 the soundstage. Yeah. There's also a time when 
it's supposed to be like these giant stone pillars, and he kind of he like accidentally kind of runs into a little. Yeah, and it's it is it, obviously it styrofoam. It wobbles, yeah. and I know that Kirk is like stone cold built, but <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless. Um. Anyway, so Professor Crater shows up, and he says, "You're in a real jerk. bad goddamn mood. <laughs> you jerk." And to, specifically to Kirk, you show your gold braid. You love it, don't you? And yeah. Kirk's face is all like, "Yeah, yeah, I do." Looks good on me. Yeah, but he's he's acting. I mean, he's a space curmudgeon. Fine, but he's acting really odd. Like he's clearly trying to piss them off and drive them off and provoke them to what? distract them. But I what I don't understand. I don't think he is distracting him. I think he's genuinely surprised when she like vampires Lieutenant Boner. Well, no, because what he says is, because um, they're like, uh, he, he says, I don't want you here. Just give but, me the salt tablets. I will. That's significant. <laughs> give me the salt tablets for your quest. Not water. Just salt tablets, just salt, please. Just salt. Yeah. But his entire demeanor changes when he learns that McCoy knew Nancy. Well, when I he learns that he they all this. met Nancy is when his demeanor No, but Kirk changed. hasn't met Nancy. Yeah. Only McCoy yeah. has. No, they're all there. They all meet him because she comes in. She's oh, yeah, there when they come in, Nancy. and then she leaves, and Ensign Boner follows her, and then Crater comes back without encountering either of them, because because he's surprised when he realizes they've encountered Nancy, and that's when he suddenly softens and gets that all. She hasn't eaten them yet. I guess I, I'm not really sure why he changed, but he suddenly is a lot friendlier when it, he realizes. Anyway, I found the interactions really interesting in this. Thing. It was very interesting because especially when like Bone starts massaging. Yeah. Um, and the professor starts to explain, you know, oh, you know, I've been on this planet. It's all right. It's totally okay for men to be on a planet doing manly work. But women, women, you know, women, they need shopping malls. They're so weak. So needy. They need constant attention. Like, that was the, that was the, um... The implication there was that she oh, yeah. needed constant attention. Yeah, yeah, and then and we spend about be alone. I suppose we should start keeping track of the most sexist comments. And then we and spend about one. two and a half minutes talking about how hot his wife is. Okay, basically. No. So McCoy's like, "Oh, she's just like the day I met you." And another one of my favorite Kirk moments. McCoy's like, "Oh, she looks like she's twenty-five. Not a Kirk's great like, hair on her head. No, definitely not twenty-five. With the implication that I know twenty-five-year-olds <laughs> intimately. I thought he was just making fun of bones." Because Bones says she doesn't look a day over twenty five, not a gray hair on her head, and and Kirk sort of laughs and goes, Bones, she's got some gray. <laughs> I know twenty five year olds intimately. I did not read it that way. In fact, I don't think Kirk is very really interested in Nancy at all, and I don't oh, think no, he even because she's not twenty five. I don't she's think got he's gray hair, she's got gray hair, and too she, old. I didn't read it that it's way so at all. Mm-hmm. Kirk's being very professional and gently mocking his friend, who is like clearly still has feelings. Everyone department. in the episode is the most professional. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Kirk. Definitely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yep. 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 Anyway, so then they hear ah. Yep. And they all um, go running, and then we find Lieutenant Boner <laughs> covered in hickeys. And so here is casualty number one for the episode. And I looked at the time, and this was eight minutes into the episode. <laughs> it lasted. Eight whole minutes. That's pretty good for a red shirt. Oh, that's that's rough. So my my query is why does Kirk immediately walk over and put his hand in his mouth? Well, you can see the grain from a little distance away because they basically they go over and it looks like he's been eating some kind of poisonous plant. And Kirk goes and there's it like is space a beans, foreign, strange land. Could you not assume that there was like a disease or some kind of monster? Well, his mouth's wide open. He's, he's lying on the ground. Shocked. Yep, you can see it. So he, oh. there's like this bright green. You could see it. So bright that's green probably what he's like. Yeah. 
Space and beans of some kind. Nancy's like, oh, it's the Borgia plant. Yeah, the scream is Nancy, Subtle. who is just standing behind, standing beside Ensign Boner's dead body, screaming for no apparent reason. And we get our very, very first, he's dead, Jim. Oh, I cried. Oh. Yeah. So Nancy says, so he ate the poison plant. No one believes her. Not even Bones, even though he clearly wants to. Why wouldn't they believe her? Other than women. Well, she's acting hella suspicious. Also, is she? Yeah. Does, does like eating a poison plant cause you to get sucker marks on just your face? They're like, oh, he's molting. After two seconds? Is well, it just his face. Anyways, this is at the point in my notes where I wrote down, everyone is so sweaty. Bro, yeah. I, I, I did not write that. I also have Kirk is very sweaty. Oh, so sweaty. Everyone there looks like they just ran a marathon. Apparently I'm the only one who thought they're on a desert planet. No, no, I realized they're on a desert planet. <laughs> it took me a while longer than I want to admit <laughs> to realize that everybody was sweaty. And do you know what ticked me off? It's because yeah. later on when Spock is on the planet, he is not sweating, but everybody else around him is. Oh, I didn't notice really? that. Yeah, he's driving alone. Oh, and chance. everybody else is like... Dripping. Yeah. Super Vulcan. It's gooey. It's moist. Well, the other, like moist. The other thing about the incredible unbelievability of her claim is that, like, even if, like, the music and everybody's expressions weren't going, yeah, she's lying, I don't believe even the most incompetent, even unprofessional Ensign Boner is going to walk up to a random space plant and just shove it in his mouth. <laughs> I mean... Maybe he likes things in his mouth. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, strange foreign bodies in his mouth. Okay, oh, by the way, and, and, on, and now Bones sees her at her Yeah, blade. you got old. Yeah, you got old. Now here, I have a really big question. This bothered me so much, more than it really should have. Okay, so Kirk says three to be up, meaning him, McCoy, dead Lieutenant Boner. Yes. The next time, the next time they go down on the planet, and another like one person dies that they know of, they say three to be up. So they bring Kirk, I think it's Spock that time, and a green. They leave behind the dead body. Because they think he's just missing. No, 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 no. There's two guys. Are they all standing, are they like, are they standing next to the dead body at that point? Yeah. No, no, no. No, because they... I feel like they're in a different location. No, no, no. Yeah. This is the second time they go down the planet. Oh, I know exactly. There's two guys and then two guys who end up dead. Yeah, I know. One of them they find the body of. And that's why they go back. Yeah, but why didn't they beam up the dead body? Can they not beam up dead bodies? They beamed it up afterwards. Yeah, but why didn't they beam it up all at once? That's an excellent question. Thank you. I was so later on, Because in later Star Treks, they talk like, the, the conceit is basically that they one of the ways they, they sort of home in really easily on live science and beam people up is with the communicators. But yeah. they don't talk about that in original I, track I, until quite a bit later. Well, they do, but they're these things, the, the handheld things. They talk about that later, but not until much later do they go, oh, right, they could home in on the communicators and that's how they find bodies. And I don't think at this point they had figured out that that's how you locate life signs. It's just by their communicators. So if they yeah. don't have their communicators, you can't find them? Yeah, but at this but point... They can... They can Scan the entire planet yeah. looking for life forms. So why wouldn't they just say, "Me and this guy who's just cold"? Like, I I was I really. I think I think that in, I think it was a writing thing where they hadn't quite figured out how the where they could pay worked. for that guy to show up for a second day in order to be a dead body. I think they could. They hadn't figured out how the transporters worked in this universe yet, and they just hadn't thought of it. It seemed a 
there's also there's also an element yeah. of urgency. Like they have to get back to the ship yeah, right away. Yeah, why bring dead guys? He's the, because the other transporter guys like we'll bring him home. Yeah, yeah. why did you bring him home the first time? Yeah, I noticed it. Maybe too, you have. I noticed it later yeah. when they're like it was odd. three up, and then they're, they're like, we're going to do our task. Bring up the dead guy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, maybe like in this point in the continuity where they haven't worked out all the details, they need like special procedures to bring up non living things. But they already did it. What? At the we beginning, beamed up the body. Yeah. They just did in the beginning. Uh, anyways, so we're going to point that out to copyright. Internal inconsistency. Yeah, that's continuity yes. errors. Uh, so the team reassembles to beam back up, and right before they with leave... With the dead body. With the dead body. Yeah. And uh, as they're leaving, Nancy runs up to them, because Crater's standing with them and goes, Don't forget the salt! Because that's a totally normal thing to say. <laughs> Ladies love salt. They're like deer that way. <laughs> Which he says, I'll take care of the provisions, dear. Yeah. Not suspicious at all. No. Um, I'm going to chalk that into column number two of sexism of shut up, woman! Don't tell me how to run my archaeological dig. Anyhow, so then they beam back up and we get one of, I think, one of my favorite interactions of this I episode. love all interactions between these two characters, bar none. Yeah, so we get Uhura. Yes. And her fabulous fluorescent green hoop earrings. I love her earrings. Amazing. I think that gets, like, my fashion check mark of the Uhura episode. wins all fashion check marks. I don't know. I liked the strange midriff cutoff sweaters that everyone was wearing with the underlayer of darker fabric. <laughs> Those were utility belts to hold their phasers, Kareem. Mm-hmm. That was a peekaboo shirt for when you wanted to see now, like the belt eventually. hard app. <laughs> Sometime later you actually see them take them on and off. Anyway, so Uhura is speaking with <laughs> she is speaking with Spock. Who's in command on the bridge? Yeah, and she starts a definitely unprofessional conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I basically love that she walks up to the guy who's in command at the moment. Like, I'm really bored and don't want to do my job right now. Tell me, I'm pretty. She literally basically walks up to him and says, "Entertain me." No, but here's my read on this entire conversation: is that she's messing with him. Yeah, that was my question. I actually wrote down here. Uhura, flirting or taking the piss? Taking the piss because well, she's into him. Oh, she's totally into him. Mm-hmm. But she is also taking the piss, especially judging from their later interaction. She does this a lot. Where she walks up to Spock and goes, Spock, so uh, tell me, how do Vulcans have feelings? Spock, how many moons does Vulcan have? Spock, you should totally play this guitar over the entire ship. She does this a lot. So in a workplace setting. Oh, yeah, totally appropriate. She kind of shows up and says, I hate my job. Um, <laughs> that was my favorite part. Sometimes I feel like I'm part of the communications console. I hate the word frequency. <laughs> to which he replies, It is illogical for a communications officer to have a problem with the word frequency. Suddenly implying that maybe you should find a new job. And then she says, Oh, tell me I'm pretty, or if you've ever been in love. That's a super personal question. <laughs> As a flirting technique? Yeah. That is ballsy. Yeah, ballsy opening room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I very like her. This do we have any more specifics? Because I love the way this conversation ends. I don't think I think people can go and find it out on their own. Because uh, she asks, because when she's talking about love and being under the moon, and have you ever been in love under the full moon? That, that's paraphrasing. And she, he says, Vulcan has no moons. And she says, I'm not surprised. Okay, I don't Spock. understand that repartee at all. Vulcan has moons. I'm not surprised. 
Well, she's always a little disappointed when he doesn't, like, play along, because he genuinely does not get it. Romance happens in the moonlight, and that's what she's she's basically going on and on about. Don't you have any romance in your life? What do you, like, hang out under the moon and make out with Vulcan girls? And he's like, no moon. She's like, I'm not So no make out? So no make out is the implication. Wow. That's what mm-hmm. I took away from it. Mm-hmm. That's really profound. Mm-hmm. But um, I did know that this was the first time in Star Trek that somebody questioned, or at least, you know, aired mm-hmm. Star Trek, that somebody questioned Spock's lack of emotion. Yep. First, not last. No. Yep. Not last. But I thought it was really interesting because we are introduced both to a horror who's playful and fun mm-hmm. and obviously, like, very intelligent. That's a little bit of repartee, except for that doesn't surprise me, which I don't well, he's not playing along. That's why she was a little irritated. No, and that Spock is a Vulcan, and a Vulcan is different from a human. And is logical. And is logical. It sets mm-hmm. up a lot of stuff for the rest of yeah. the episode. She also says, you know, I think Kirk is your only friend. Well, yeah, because right after they have this little repartee, they get a, mm-hmm. a message from the planet saying that someone's dead and they're beaming back up. And yeah. they don't specify who it is. And Spock's just like, okay, acknowledge, because he's, you know, he's doing the job and he's a Vulcan, so he's not, like, showing... And she's upset because he doesn't show any emotion. So someone's dead. Don't don't you have any like reaction to that? That could be Captain Kirk. He's the closest thing you have to a friend. Mm-hmm. They are very good friends. Uh, very good. very good friends. Uh, and he's like, it doesn't have any impact on how I do my job. And you don't know me. He says this in a very flat, unemotional voice, but it's basically him saying. I don't feel things the way that you but feel that's them. right. Like, you yeah. are in a workplace, a high-tension workplace situation. Mm-hmm. You can't be, like, breaking down crying every single no. time. No. It's also not really, like, it feels really weird for, if you're if this is a crew that's been together for a while, it's like, surely you'd had this conversation before. But it actually makes me think, like, this is kind of like, surely you know this about Vulcans, you went to Starfleet Academy, are you fresh out of space dock or something? But he is he the only Vulcan in at Starfleet this point, at yes, this point? Yeah, the only Vulcan in Starfleet. So it could be possible that she hasn't actually interacted with a number of Vulcans. Plus, we learn later on, but we don't learn in this instance. He is half human. Yeah, yeah. And That's people true. expect a oh, lot out so of the human side of him. Well, yeah, Spock also, and this is an aside, but Spock also informed people's impressions of Vulcans to a point that was actually misleading later on, because the Vulcan that we all got to know is Spock, but he was half-human. Mm-hmm. And when we meet pure Vulcans later on, they seem incredibly emotionless by comparison. I always found them to be, like, dancing on the knife edge of stabbing everyone. Everyone. Like, with a moment's notice, all it would take, and then there would be just massacre and one Vulcan left standing. Well, Spock, eventually, though, he seemed well, very settled. Well, I think there is, I mean, there is that, there's a plot line in the seventh season of Deep Space Nine about a Vulcan serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> Oh, God, that was it's so logical to kill. Yes. Yeah, and oh, that's right. the whole point, is he's got this thing that's like, I, logically, I need to murder these people. Yeah. Was he right? No. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> there could have been, like... He was the bad guy. But most Vulcans have basically shut emotion away, whereas Spock, because he's half-human, doesn't have that control. And there's a whole bunch of stuff later on with Spock sort of fighting against he the human side. He struggles for control. It's but ultimately, he, he integrates it. And he gets, he's a lot more subtle, but he still comes across as more human Doesn't than other Vulcans do. more Vulcan than the Vulcans? Yeah, because he's overcompensating. Yeah. It's really interesting when you compare later Spock to every other Vulcan we ever meet. And he seems, it's very different from what we eventually... Oh, I don't know. 
I know you guys haven't really watched Enterprise a lot, but when you get to Paul, mm-hmm. she's very, very, like, very, very upright and proper and Vulcan, yeah, yeah. and they're, those Vulcans have got... Traditional Vulcan. Sticks up their Vulcan asses even more than most Vulcans, for reasons. Anyway, um, but there's you get to a point where she goes through a bunch of really stupid plot. And including a drug addiction. Including, yes. She basically <laughs> turned into a Vulcan crack whore. But you get this episode, it's actually my favorite episode of Enterprise, where she goes home... And her mother says to her, your emotions have always been very close to the surface. Mm. And that sort of is used to explain, like, three years of her not being what you expect from Vulcans. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, more emotional than Spock a lot of the time, I feel like. I mean, it's been ages since I've watched Enterprise. But, like, that's, that's, like, I don't know, that's when you're talking about Vulcans and emotions, you've got to talk about yeah. Paul. But I you also have to talk about Tuvok. Well, yeah. Again, Tuvok is, yeah. he's like, he's he's kind of your prime yeah. Vulcan. Yeah. Emotionalist, but strangely enough, as it goes on, more willing to bend the rules a little bit. I don't think that he ever becomes more emotional. No, no he doesn't. Because no, he's all. gotten down. Like, he's got... And that's what I love about, like, about Tuvok, is he's, he's an adult. He's got, like, he's married. He's got a buttload of kids he's gone through like three careers or whatever mm-hmm. he's yeah. like he's a Vulcan yeah but do the Vulcans they have emotions yeah. they yeah. just choose not to express mm-hmm. them yes yeah and they contain them and I think you also see different different expressions of how Vulcans deal with humans and, and right because like um I mean again he's not sort of a great example because all he's all like pre far for most of the time we know him that Vorik there's an episode where like he goes to a party but he puts on the Hawaiian shirt and he wears the lei. And he's like, I don't have emotions, but I'm down for this. Yeah. <laughs> he is down to party. Yeah. They so just, like, they, they, in they, a Vulcan way. Yeah, yeah exactly. What we get over and over is that it's not that Vulcans don't have emotions. It's not even that they don't experience emotions. It's that they separate them from their lives. Well, they don't act on them. No, they don't act on them. They don't process them the same way that spe- other species do. And the, their emotionlessness is not, like, innate. It's something that they train to do it's something they learn i can't remember what it's called the discipline um oh i don't remember exactly i've forgotten but there's like it's like a process that you start learning in childhood kill marine kill marine no wait we're talking no. stargate yeah well yeah, we are i don't remember what it's called but there's like um but there's like you know uses things you learn through childhood and you learn meditation yeah. techniques and there's like a thing where they send you off into the desert to like meditate for I don't know that's yeah. like but it's a path you choose yeah yeah and people have varying degrees of success at it mm-hmm. and, and not all Vulcans do embrace well, it I think, later I think there's a part where you find out like Tuvok is like the super Vulcan and he's been mm, yeah. up to like the mountains yeah. for extra meditation he's like a famous super Vulcan plus five more yeah <laughs> but we also because there's also Vulcans who don't embrace embrace his path like Spock's got a half brother who's not very good at it let's just say. Oh. He's in only a movie. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. And I feel bad. like leading from that, there is like a again a plotline in Enterprise where you find an entire ship of Vulcans who are like screw refreshing our emotions. We're gonna have it all. And I but they're this is the DS nine. No, this is a this is an Enterprise. There's the DS nine episode, the baseball episode. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole sh- a whole Starfleet ship that is like all Vulcans, mm-hmm. and they have they're very Vulcan, but they're also totally down for fucking crushing Cisco and his puny baseball team. Yeah, and this is very clearly like there's this is this Vulcan captain who has this vendetta against Cisco and has the academy. It's like you don't have emotions, but you can still want to take a bitch down, <laughs> which I feel all Vulcans. Anyway, yeah. um, so we go into the medical bay, which according to my notes, tense talk, ugly jackets. Mm-hmm. 
And we get like that, like, we see the medical bay in the first, first time. We actually bio beds and everything. It's it's very Giant well established. with people's vitals. Yeah. Vital up there. And so we get told that. No uh, privacy in space. The <laughs> results from all the tests from uh, the de- dead ends, poor dead ends and boner. He says, so uh, that plant was totally poisoned, but uh, it definitely is not what killed the guy because he didn't actually ingest it. Um, there is a great moment here when they're trying to figure out what caused this guy's death. And McCoy sits down and starts, oh, eulogizing his lost love. And yes, he looks so good. I love this. And Kirk, proportional response or not, um, says, your lost love does not interest me. I've lost a man. I love this. This yeah. is one of my favorite things from Kirk in the whole yeah. episode was he was just like, would you shut up and do your job? Yeah. We can go drink gin in my quarters later. What is it? Sarlacchi and brandy? Yeah, whatever. And Sorry and brandy. You know, I love that. Running I joke. absolutely love that Kirk was like, somebody said it earlier, Kirk's the most professional person in this episode. <laughs> well, yeah. it seems odd that they're actually having this McCoy is starting to have this conversation about he's his mooning. romantic life. He is mooning over a man's corpse. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like how Kirk shuts that down. Well, I think yeah. Kirk's already sort of being like, so there's something not right about Nancy. Like, he's worked this out. And I think he, he hit the head start because he doesn't I think get there's the illusion suspicious of Nancy, but I don't think well, that Kirk he is. something is up. No, but I think at this point, Kirk is having, like, intuition that, like, okay, well, there's something really wrong with Nancy, there's something really wrong here, and he knows that these things were probably connected, and I think that that feeds into how angry he is. When I think he's just angry that someone is dead. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's because that's a little bit personal, too, when he yells it at Bones. It's not just, like, Captain Anger. It's also, like, Bones, why are you being an idiot anger? And is this where he says, stop thinking with your glands? No, but later on, it might all apply to this entire episode. Just subtitle it. Stop thinking when you're blind. Uh, But basically, um, so so we go back. So Kirk storms out, and uh, we get a message from I don't remember where he is when he gets this message. He might be in like a turbo lift, but a message from the bridge saying they've got a message from I can't remember what the ship was. It's uh, they're supposed to be meeting a ship. Yeah, the Captain Dominguez. But before that, we get our first glance of space coffee. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Very nice space styrofoam cup. Yep. Yep. Glad to see we've evolved. There's a lot of eating in this episode. Yeah, there was. I guess it's because, like... Space food. Space food is gross. Space food is, like, celery. Dyed celery. Well, the salt. The stuff that Kirk's eating on the bridge that the Yogan brings in, they're, like, like food pellets. Yeah, they're They're gummy bears. They're, like, gummy... Yeah, they're, like, little gummy food pellet things. We see this a bunch of times over original tracks. Like, I I think it's just their attempt to do futuristic food. Yeah, because because Sulu's meal looks, I mean, boring, but it looks like It's celery. It's celery. It's celery. 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 There's another couple of them. Yeah, just celery. It was three stalks of celery lovingly laid out. There's a couple of other plates, too, though, because there's the weird little space cubes. Yeah. And then there's, like, a drink, and there's a couple of other things. Salt and pepper. Yeah. for your space salary. Query about that because it really bothered me. You're on the bridge. Yeah. Why is he having his lunch there? If there was a battle situation, his lunch could go everywhere. What if they were having soup that day? Where would you I don't know that. I think go? that's probably Into why. Into the very complicated machines that are keeping this thing in the space? I think that's probably why they have the space food. Maybe that's like the food you eat on the bridge when you're on duty. Why would you eat it? Why not I don't know. five minutes? I don't know, but they do this throughout original Trek and also the original Trek movies. And a couple of them we see like Sulu sitting on the bridge with like a, a China cup of tea. Well, that's classy. Yeah, but, but they, they do this. Stupid. The captains get to eat on the bridge. It's just something that happens. I don't know why. Does not no, have they don't. Be out his tea no. on the bridge. I actually yep. think that they should stop doing this after original. Because yeah. it's stupid. It is. It's because kind of the not. ship shakes. That when the thing big yeah. is about Star Trek is the 
The ship straight yep. around. You yep. can't have hot beverages nope. around when you're doing that. They stopped doing it by the end of the classic chart well, continuum. I think Kirk is also the only captain, and I'm including Archer in this, who doesn't have his own office, like off to the side where he goes yeah. to hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, no captain's ready room yet. Yeah. Mm. Which is really interesting because they do, the Archer does have an office in Enterprise because that's pretty much yep. where he stores his dog. And McCarty's in his ready room all the time. Yes, McCarty's got the fish. Janeway's got the oh. biggest office the I have palace, ever seen. The yeah. giant office. The penthouse suite. Yeah, and Cisco uh, uh, has the Cardassian prefect's office. And nice office. Yeah. It's a great office. Yeah, but there's a great part where there's a message from a ship, and um, I love this Dominguez is asking, like, where the hell are you? You're bringing us very important supplies. And then Kirk says back, tell Jose that we've got his chili peppers, they're fresh, I handpicked them myself, fresh Mexican, and we will get them to you as soon as we get them. They'll be fine. Which I oh, nice really like. Me too. I, I really too. liked that. I really liked that. It's it like, just, it, it gave the world, like, familiarity. Yeah. We know there's there's stuff going off. It gives depth screen. to the universe. Yeah, it felt mm-hmm. like it felt like a real place. Like there's camaraderie yeah. Yeah. within the crew, there's camaraderie between ships throughout Starfleet. Yeah. All with that like one little exchange, you get all of that. Because I mean that's that's like honestly that is something that would happen in my office where somebody would send a very professional email request for a thing and then I would yell from the back of the office, Oh shut up, it's coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, it's such a good little moment. And her kind of laughs. And yeah. They, well, it's just, it gives you such a really good feeling about that universe. Yeah. Um, and so then we go back and they figure out what has killed Lieutenant Boner. Yeah. Yes. And I loved this part because it was such a follow-up to the earlier Kirk and McCoy mm, scene where Kirk yeah. got mad. And McCoy, he, like, apologizes for being unprofessional. Yeah. And he's like, here's the result. And Kirk just looks so Fond and happy. And he's and like, I'm he's sorry like, I yelled. Yes, it was just delightful so and adorable. Nice. And it was like, it was, yeah, it was good. I, really I like, like when they like each other. I love this. It it any television. Um, my also, one of my favorite moments of this scene is there are no marks on his body. What about the giant hickeys on his face? I, I'm assuming that that his was intended to mean. His body. I'm assuming they intended that to mean like no marks of violence on his body, but yeah, I totally I'm just like, I, I feel like McCoy or Bones looked at that and went, Yep, looks totally fine. Yeah. But what we get from that is that all the salt in his body is gone. <laughs> and then we have this little conversation after the little fond apology interchange thing. Mm-hmm. So all that talk about salt, that was pretty weird. Right? Isn't it? Right? Okay, so here's the thing. I think Kirk says, we all know the need for salt on a hot and arid planet. And I had to pause it and go... What is the need for salt on a hot air plant? Because I still don't know. You sweat it out. It's like Gatorade. Yeah. Because your, your body's so salt and Gatorade? Yeah. Yeah, salt and it's sugar. Like that's what's in electrolytes. Yeah, like, because um, you sweat. Oral so rehydration salts. Yeah. You lose salt and you lose sugar. And oral rehydration salts, like the kind that you have in emergencies, it's like uh, some salt and some sugar and water. And that's what you take yeah. for like. And that's um, what Gatorade is. Yeah. Oh, that's like Lord. emergency oral rehydration salt. It's like yeah. six tablespoons of salt, six tablespoons of sugar, and like a liter of water. That's what you get to people who have like really bad diarrhea in places where there's dirty water. Yeah. So oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Oh, uh, this is just furthering every <laughs> resolve I had ever made to never drink that stuff. Oh my god. Ooh. We will never be sponsored by Gatorade. <laughs> I like Gatorade, just if any sponsors are listening. I always find it very salty, but very helpful when yeah. I was competing in athletic events. Yes. Anyway, so we came back to the planet where... Because they're going to interview the doctor and his wife. Where nothing is happening at all. And uh, surprisingly to everyone watching this show, Nancy is missing. Yes, and Professor Crater 
says, you can't just beam down here and bully me. On my planet. On this is my where planet. That. And all the Starfleet people are like, uh, you're what now? Yeah, that was, I was very, uh, what now? I was like, is he on, Well, everybody like, else looks like, like he's crazy when he says that. Yeah. So this is where he's, he's, he's acting all weird again. But is he a, okay, my question, is he a Starfleet employee, this archaeologist? He's a Federation they, scientist. Okay, so, that's not his planet. No. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I don't think it really is. I think that's just him being an overblown jackass and or trying to cover for the increasingly obvious weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like, this is him, like, freaking out in reaction. That's why he's being a complete ass. Your complaint is noted, Arian. <laughs> then is an amazing bit of dialogue where Kirk says, I don't want mysteries. They give me a bellyache. And I have a do right now. That is a terrible shadow impression. <laughs> That was really bad. I don't think you can do any more Shatner impressions for the duration of this podcast. No, Shatner via Stallone. Ooh. <laughs> oh. If you can um, work on it and try it again next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work on it and like, We've got like 65 billion episodes of this series. Yeah, we've got time to improve. I can massage it. So, so they take a look at the salt to find... Yeah, because their first question is, the salt. so Dr. Crater, what the hell? Uh, and so they find his jar and he explains we need salt to live. Where, okay, Kirk, like... Spins out a couple of tablets, hands them to Bone. Bone bites into a salt tablet. Yeah. But you not just lick it? Nope. I gotta, like, chew that thing. I'm not asking these questions. Make sure that it's all salt. And uh, mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, fine, that's technically in line. You do need salt tablets, but we're gonna try and... We're gonna take you back to the ship anyway, because this is extremely shady. This but as they're having this conversation, these two high-level Starfleet military-trained individuals turn their back to Professor Carter. Crater. Crater. Anyways... <laughs> And he sneaks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he may not be tiptoeing with that. Dinner. That was amazing. And they turn back around and they're like, where did he go? Yeah. Where would he be? Why did he just stand there? And so we learned that uh, Sturgeon is dead. So they beamed out with two other red shirts. They, yeah. uh, uh, they were not in red shirts? No. They were not red shirts. I think only one of the people who, one of the red shirts in this episode is no, red, red shirt. No, no red shirt. No red shirt. No red shirts were no red wow. making of this episode. Wow. I, yeah. I made a note. There was Sturgeon and Green. Sturgeon yeah. is dead. dead. Super Fuck dead. To death. Yep. And Green is also dead. But... However... These two deaths came 18 minutes into the episode. Thank you for measuring that, Kim. That's I amazing. So, a death every... 10, ten minutes. minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. And it turns out that... Well, we see Green lying down on the ground. And then we see Nancy standing next to him. And she's like... Yeah, and she goes, and her face, and she turns into green, like right in front of us. And I mean, we all already knew this, obviously, but mm-hmm. the music's like, oh my god, which surprised zero people, no one, no people. Yeah. Um, at this point, then Kirk develops uh, says the amazing line that you need to be like, take a note from Spock's notebook. Stop thinking with your glands. Yeah. <laughs> and then Green shows up and's like. Oh, I was looking for a salt monster for sure. Yeah, haven't seen that other guy. Definitely didn't murder him. I love the way that they filmed, like they shot the great, like Nancy Green, because it was all this like weird sort of like sort of looking mm-hmm. down, and it's all just like I'm very suspicious. Yeah. 
Yeah, real actually really good camera work. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. some really I love how they do the, the the close-ups and everyone does the kind of biting of their index. Finger. Oh yeah, all the Nancy, yeah. all the all the salt monster, so that you know who's the salt monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, but they want to go back to the ship because Kirk's like. People keep getting fucking murdered. We're getting off this planet. They but, leave the dead body behind. But Nancy is still missing, and Bones doesn't want to go because he's like, "Oh, she's in trouble." Even though she's everyone around is like, "She's not in trouble, Bones. We're gonna go." No, and then because they're gonna search the planet with sensors from the ship. Yeah, which makes a lot more yes, sense. There's someone that killed three people thus far. Should we hang around? No, these people have been on this planet for five years. I think they can hack it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hack yeah. it because they are murderers. Yeah. yeah. So they all go back, including the salt monster, who gives this villain smile. Mm-hmm. And so Green, slash salt monster, mm-hmm. is now free to run about the ship looking for salt. There's all this delicious food. Mm-hmm. But we see uh, Yeoman Rand. Yeoman Rand. I don't think we get her last name. Juice is called Janice. No. Yeah, her name at least Janice Rand. I love Janice Rand. With... What I can only describe is like a basket hairdo. The beehive. It's beehive. It's the weaving thing weaved is on the front. Oh, really? I am cool. Yeah. yeah. There's this weird little checkerboard thing. I'm assuming there's some kind of future hairdo machine type thing. I don't know. Explain how nobody wears bras in the future. They don't. You never ever see a bra strap. But their breasts look well, no, perky. It I know. Sixties is what you do. No, I mean you never you never do later either. Space bra. Bad. Wait, what? Right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm so happy to see Rand. I love her. Yeah. So, so uh, she seems like she walked in off a different show. <laughs> so, Salt Monster comes upon Rand and her uh, lunch tray. She's taking somebody their lunch. She's somebody oh, else's. She's yeah. Sulu's yeoman. personal yeoman. Yeah. Well, it seems like all the. It seems like all the officers. Was that have one. I thought she was just like taking her bro some lunch. No, because those two creeps uh, describe her. Saying like, imagine having her as your own personal yeoman. I, and thought, she basically I, thought, I didn't themselves. think that was a reference to her actual job, but more it, of being sexually gross about it. It could it could be read as ambiguous, I suppose. But I think Kirk gets Kirk has his own yeoman. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk gets her as a yeoman as later a, as an yeah. like assistant to the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but it's, I think it's his personal yeoman. Yeah, but I think the way they were talking about her and her relationship okay. with Sulu because nothing about her relationship with Sulu no, said No, it does seem it very bro like It was very friendly, so I think it was just gross. those moments yeah. being gross. Okay, especially since she is eating his lunch. Yeah. I love that! I, I like that. that. So it was hilarious. Actually, Space celery a day. There's like a little, there's a little, there's a little, little plate of oh, the weird space cubes on the tray too. Yeah. But it, most importantly, the thing on this tray is there is a pepper shaker and a salt shaker. <laughs> so salt monster comes upon her in a hallway and he immediately starts acting ultra shady towards the salt shaker. And he like <laughs> reaches to the tray and she slaps his hand away with the imp- so we get the impression that she actually knows him. And she um, says, "Chase an asteroid." Yeah, go chase an asteroid. <laughs> Which I'm definitely gonna be using in life. Because um, she's just trying to get the lunch to her bro, and she has to encounter this creepy salt monster guy because he. And then the two creepy. And then the two guys. creep security oh, no. guys were like ogling her, and she basically tells them to go fuck themselves, which I really. Enjoyed. I was sad they didn't die. Yeah, yeah. Me too. they were patrolling those corridors all alone. So many opportunities so to kill them. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I did appreciate that all of the ladies in this episode, like mm-hmm. all the crewmen, they were sassy. They stood up for themselves, yeah. and they were being like. Sexually, inappropriately sexually harassed by they were getting workplace. shit done yeah no they were excellent yeah yeah, yeah no no yeah. So, so yeah in my notes I have Rand tells off some passing creeps so true so she brings Sulu 
Her bro Sulu. We love Sulu. But yeah, that's that. the only yeah. way I read their relationship wasn't that she was working. Yeah, it, so yeah. they were broing out. Yeah, I, I, I will be confused yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah. So she takes Sulu his lunch, and he's sitting in like the alien he's plant. He's a botanist. Room. Well, he is a botanist. He is. He's canonically he has a is botany he? degree. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I we think never see it again. Well, no, well, we don't. Something I ever knew about uh-huh. him. I think that this is just something he does in his spare time because we also no, see him. No, because he's in a life sciences lab. Yeah, he's in a life yeah, sciences yeah. lab. But they all have their own projects too. Because they're all scientists. I mean, we do see him at, at the very end of the episode. You yeah. do see him sitting on the bridge yeah. and yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, driving. <laughs> driving. But they're so, not on the bridge all the time. Yeah. So, like, I thought maybe he does, maybe he pulls double duty. This is just, just his like, interest. Well, because, like, I mean, we have on the Enterprise, like, Keiko O'Brien is just a civilian hanging around doing botany stuff. Yeah. So maybe... But she's there for, like, science he's, Yeah, he's just dual. Yeah. Dual. yeah. Especially like, if they only have a couple hundred crewmen, you got to double up, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're... they're <laughs> oh, shut your face. Sorry. Anyway, so then... We have, this nice little, we have this nice little conversation between her and Sulu first, which I think is really nice. And she, like... There's this... What did I call it? Oh, God, I can't remember. There's, like, a... There's this weird little pink plant thing. Beauregard! Beauregard! The plant's name Aww. is Beauregard. Beauregard and, gets uh, credit. She's met Beauregard. Does the plant get a credit? The plant yeah. get a credit, yeah. No way, that's amazing. Yeah, they have this this nice what little... Just this, this totally pleasant even keel conversation where she like pets a little plant and they talk about completely unrelated to the plot stuff it's nice and then salt monster green comes in and the plant freaks out okay my thing about that is that everyone knows that this guy is being weird mm-hmm. Rand's like oh well, absolutely not, he's not talking today yeah oh is he space happy yeah which i yeah basically the, the come out of that conversation after he leaves because he comes following the salt shaker basically and he realizes he's not going to get to him he leaves again after he freaks out the plant well no one's like yeah gee wasn't that weird well no because I they wonder both, if something weird is happening because on the ship every time he leaves the room people are like well he's acting weird and they do nothing what about it no nothing things. nothing and then what again our hero uhura oh Mm. Oh, yes. Sassing yes. her way through the ship. Yes. And he yeah, he comes upon her in a hallway again. Like he no, no, no. Rewind. She's in the elevator, the door's open, creeps her in her way, she stares at both of them yeah. until they move mm. aside. Yep. She walks through and goes, Oh, by the way, Bill, <laughs> fix my fucking door. <laughs> I told you to do it and a week ago. Up. Yeah, that she was pretty great. Like my hero. Uh, amazing. Now I like this next bit on a couple of levels, uh, but my favorite level. I mean, obviously, there's the fact the salt monster follows Uhura and turns into a handsome dude. Handsome dude. And, handsome uh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely suspiciously handsome dude, except this is the nicest the salt monster is with anybody except for Bones. Because she looks at this guy, she's like, I don't know you, but you seem really familiar. I'm from your dreams. He may actually be from her dreams because he steps up to her and he starts talking to her in Swahili and she is into it. And by the way, Uhura speaks Swahili. That does. is awesome. She gets a lot of character beats in this. Oh yeah, yeah. she does. She, she does a lot, a lot. Yeah, you learn a lot about Uhura, and she's not. I mean, she's not on the screen for that much, but you get a lot about her. I yeah. kind of argue that in this episode, your big characters are Kirk and McCoy. Yeah, and Uhura. Oh yep. yeah, you see Definitely. a lot of the ship with her. Yeah, and Sulu actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all the human stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I really like that little bit because it's like she's like maybe uh, we, we we don't get the universal translator for quite a while. They never mention it, but like mm-hmm. she speaks Swahili. She probably grew up speaking Swahili. That is awesome, especially for a show made in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, that's freaking amazing. But she's totally into this. But then someone interrupts them. 
Um, I can't remember it who exactly. It is Yeoman Rand. They it's are swaggering by. I would love to see them just like they're the gossips of the ship in my yeah. mind. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. That would be but beautiful. when she hears them coming, she sort of snaps out of it and like, well, this is weird. And then Salt Monster, handsome guy, takes off. Because bizarre plot twist. Yeah. The monster can also hypnotize people. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Paralyze them or something like that? Because, yeah, I actually have a note written down here. Um, was Ahura mesmerized or terrified or both? I got like, mesmerized. She mesmerized. She was into it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, she also gets called to the bridge. That's but what she actually ignores it twice. She ignores it twice until Rand and Sulu come by. And then she's like, right, right, I'm totally coming, bridge. Right. I, I, yeah. I, it's kind of out of nowhere for me. But yeah. anyways, so then we go back to Bones, who's like writhing sexily on his bed. Oh, yeah. Note to myself, no blankets in space? And he's having trouble sleeping. He's tormented by mm-hmm. visions mm-hmm. of stuff. Immediately calls his boss. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I can't sleep. <laughs> I like this bit, too, because it's like, can you know those red pills you gave me? You'll sleep. Yeah. Which yeah. Kurt Boss says, so drug yourself, stupid. Yeah. Well, it's, and, just, it's uh, a little friend exchange, though. Like, Bones, you're, you're, the, the idea that, like, Bones is over-solicitous with the, like, he's he's overprotective of the crew. He, like, you know, give me one all the time. Because they're not getting out of sleep otherwise. Well, he's got a giant bottle of pills. Just like his bed. That's yeah. true. Giant bottle of pills. Mm-hmm. So my other thing with Kirk saying that is that I'm totally not going to need you for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Just zonk out for 12 hours. It's not like we have a giant mystery on our hand that might require some medical expertise. Yeah. Nobody died. Well, as far as they know, though, fine. at this point, they left the salt monster down on the planet and they're safe. Yeah, but there's still a mystery going on. Yeah, there they're is. still looking for Nancy and the doctor. So yeah. at least we'll have some questions for them. But no, you just like zen out. So now so Kirk again is eating on the deck and they're just women... It seems like most of the women, the omens, are just serving men food, like, all the time. She's standing there with a tray. Yeah. Yeah. So is Ram. Ram, yeah. We see the salt monster kill again. And uh, this guy is some random guy in engineering gear in a hallway somewhere. This was death number four, but sadly I forgot to pause and check the time of death. It was really, really quick after. It was probably 28. Yeah, I didn't want to. No, I didn't want to rewind. Yeah, while while Kirk is having his lunch on the bridge, Spock um, gives the results of the scan. He's like, we can't find anybody on the planet except for Crater. There are no other life forms down there. Yeah, very, very. uh, But... And then the most important thing is that when Sulu goes to touch the guy who's dead, the guy visibly flinches. (laughs) (laughs) Visibly. Really? Yeah. I totally missed that. I saw it twice. (laughs) Um, So now this is where the salt monster tracks down bones in his quarters. She's suddenly nasty again. My note to myself, what's a girl about to do to get some salt around here? Yeah. And then uh, organ music. I, I, I wrote down, how the fuck is she going to explain how she's on the ship? Mostly she just says, oh! And then gets him to take drugs. Well, what she yeah. says is that she says, I'm happiest with you. You have such strong memories of me. Mm, delicious. Well, I took that to mean that the illusion is stronger with him than with anybody else. That's, That's really unsettling. <laughs> um, but he's, like, she comes on so, so strong with this and so sudden. And it seems like... He's really tired, and he's totally put off by this initially because he's he's like really surprised. Like, what are you doing here? Why and didn't Kirk tell me that yeah. my girlfriend was back? On, I mean, and, my the, and at that point, I assume she puts the whammy on him because he says, "Oh well, uh, 
Jim told me to take a nap. He told me to take one of these pills, and he shakes his giant bottle of red so pills. Your ex- and she says, I think that's a great idea. Ex-girlfriend shows up out of nowhere yes, and yes. says, you should take some drugs. Yes, right now. Okay. Um, immediately after this. And he's like, apparently took like, a lot of them. He like, must have done. Next time you see the thing, he the, like, the lid is gone. out, it's like partially gone. empty. There's like pills sitting in the pile next to it. Yeah. yeah. And this part, we come to my subtitle of this entire episode is, Where's your wife, Professor? Where's your wife, Professor? Well, the first Where's thing. Where's your wife, Professor? The first thing. Where's your that? wife, Professor? I'm going to keep going. I said, <laughs> I counted you down like a thousand. So, so, where's your wife, Professor? So, immediately after, we cut away from Bones taking the sleeping pills, and this is when Ren and Suki find the, the, the recently dead poor engineering crewman. I, I don't know what you're doing right that now. Is, you're wrong. You're wrong. Ren and Sulu find desalted dead crewman. It's, a, it's really quick. It takes like two seconds and then we cut away again. Anyhow. Because we aren't even, this is actually in the middle of the scene in the quarters because Bones is like, so you're acting weird. And <laughs> he's lying on the bed and she's, this is, no, no, I wrote this down because this is very specific because I thought it was really interesting. He's lying on the bed and I don't know if he's actually taken the pills yet or is waiting to I fall asleep. I feel like she drugged him. I think, I think she has. Put whammy on because he's lying him. on his bed and he's all sweaty again. And she yeah, does this thing. This was so gross, but so interesting. She strokes his sweaty brow. Oh, and licks lick her fingers. She does it. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm going to like this salt so much. And then someone interrupts her. And she's like, it's super oh. gross. But I thought that this was really well done by the actress because it's very, I don't know, it just feels very in character and very right for what the creepy salt monster would do. Well, yeah. It's like, like, she just lick his face. Well, because that would be weird. His eyes are closed, so he can't see her he's licking strong. her fingers. He's here. Um, and then after oh, she's done that, yeah, stop, 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 stop. And then they get, um, she gets a call from, Bones gets a call from the bridge. Stop. <laughs> so gross, please stop. All right. Where's your wife, Professor? <laughs> well, first, the salt monster becomes McCoy. This is important. Bones gets called to the bridge, but he's already zonked out. And she turns into McCoy and goes off to take his place. Yes. Yeah. Can I do my bit now? Well, they go back Where's down your there. wife, Professor? Kirby's bug beam down to the planet to make a short story short. Crater is hiding behind a rock. He's hiding behind a rock with a gun, <laughs> which he acquired from somewhere. somewhere. Uh, and he says, go away! My wife is no concern of yours. <laughs> Don't you know that women are property? Um, <laughs> sorry, my only note from this section says those are some beefy security gents with long yeah. behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad to see you're bringing the hard-hitting commentary. <laughs> so, yeah, they beam down. Everyone goes to general quarters. There's a woman in pants. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We there see uh, three women that. Three women pass by during this scene. None of them are named characters, but one of them is wearing pants. Yeah, oh, I made a special note. Anyways, so, question. The communicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't they have, like, a vibrating setting? No. I think they should, because they're... Professor Nut Pants is like, pew, 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 get off the goddamn planet, which may or may not be mine. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we need to hide from him. And then their communicators immediately, yeah. like, no, they do not have Is there not a silence on it? No, I, this is just one of those things that continues throughout Star Trek. There is no silent setting on a Starfleet communicator, and it happens a bunch of other times. But it's like, usually it's one of those things you just sort of hand wave away. No, I can't. I can't. You are trying to stealth someone. <laughs> Well, also, I th- there's there's one that it's just a narrative hand wave thing that gets done all the way through, like the original translator. But the other thing is that this was like 1960, whatever. The only thing that they could have uh, 
thought of as communicators were radios, which of course don't have a silent setting. You can turn them off. Anyhow, the most important thing about this is that they're talking to the only people you see on the bridge. Let me make this clear. Are Sulu, Janice, and Uhura. Yeah. They are the bosses of that I ship. love that scene. Yes. I love it because they're they're super, super, like, efficiently clearing the ship death, death by death. They're directing security mm-hmm. from the bridge. It's awesome. I really enjoyed that part. Yeah. And while they're kind of, this is intercut with Kirk and Spock trying to, like, wrestle the Professor Nuts Pants. Um, <laughs> this gave us the greatest, like, Kirk sneaking scene oh my gosh. of all time. My, yeah. my note is... Kirk is like a slinky panther. <laughs> slinky, 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 slinky. I made Ari rewind it so I could make those sound effects. Twice, twice actually. Twice. So, yeah, this is the spot where we got the very obvious echo from the sound stage. <laughs> yeah. And Kirk, like, army crawling across the sand in the most <laughs> awkward <laughs> gosh. There's a part where he's clearly thinking to himself, zigzag Kirk, zigzag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in, this is important. Kirk comes in from off screen, zigzagging across, and then he hides behind a rock. And then we see him throw himself down under the rock, like a four-year-old, throwing himself on the carpet in front of the television. And then we get Slinky Crawl. It's a very important progression. Um, So this is them still chasing. We go back up to the bridge for a second where we see creepy salt bones come onto the bridge. Oh, yeah. Which is like, and everybody, Sulu, Uhura, and Rand, who are already, like, they've, they're only tuned into the creepiness, because all three of them have encountered the salt monster by now. They've all looked pretty creeped out. And yet do nothing. And Bones is like, let me help. Creepy music. Okay, so anyways, Kirk and Spock distract, despite the fact that their communicators go off twice, and the professor is not kind of twigged onto their location at all, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they're making noise and Kirk is throwing up so much sand, and <laughs> Spock is visibly, like, shaking plants behind him with his booty. Like, <laughs> I'm no hunter of the plains, which is going to become a theme later on, <laughs> but they're bad at what they do. Yeah. So they capture the professor, they stun him in an amazing special effect. That mm-hmm, was so mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay, which I would like to point out to everyone, stun is an option on your phasers. Yes. Yeah. Again, let's keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. They capture him, and he's like, oh, it's the last of its kind! Yeah. And they're like, do explain. Yeah. There was, there was, okay, before we do that, there was a part here where the doctor says, I feel strange. And Kirk and I, at the exact same time, say, you were stunned. <laughs> yeah. So, which, Kirk, like, which Captain Nemo liked him. It turns out like, but no, it was like, it was the stupidest was damn stupid. question. Yeah. There was a beam of light that came and punched you in the chest and then flung you about two feet. I think we can probably figure out the cause and effect here. Because he has a super low voice when you were So he starts explaining Explaining, like, sushifying. He makes this weird he starts talking about the buffalo. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but what happened to your wife, dude? So, let me just make this clear, because the soul monster killed his wife. Yeah. Two years ago. Maybe three. Okay. And he's been, like, living in sin with the salt monster. I think he got Stockholm syndrome by the, mm-hmm. the salt monster. Mm-hmm. But he loved the salt monster, who was pretending to be his wife, and he had knowledge that she was the salt monster. Mm-hmm. He knew the whole time. It's unclear whether... Because he, he, we get two possible motivations for him protecting the salt monster. One, it's the last of its kind. 
And, and two, just because it's the last of your kind doesn't mean no, you need to make out with a bottle. Lots of things are the last of their kind, and maybe should not carry on. I don't want to even think of you as having sex with her. Nor my, do I. My question was, why did it take this long and this many dead people for him to tell about the special buffalo? Because, like, if you had said that off of, like, hey, Kirk, welcome. So, unfortunately, my wife is dead. This alien, totally unrelated. This alien here is very endangered and really likes some salt to live. Can you help a dude out? Thank you. That would have gotten, like, negated yeah. the entire Instead situation. Instead of being all weird and mysterious and obstructive yeah. and, like, acting incredibly suspicious. Maddening. Maddening. Yeah, well, for someone with such a terrible secret, he's really bad at keeping secrets. I don't think he's bad at keeping a secret. It's just, why keep it a secret at all? That is yeah. an excellent question. I, like, there's absolutely no reason for it to be kept a secret. Other than, I feel like at some point, someone would have asked the question, were you having sex with that song? <laughs> well, that's, that's that's my number two. Is like, that's your number two. No, 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 no. no, 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 no question. Question. It's not a question. It's not a question. I specifically said living in sin. I mean, that kind of But, no, his motivations for protecting me. One is that it's the last of its kind. He's a scientist, whatever, fine. The other is that it looks like his wife, and it mimics his wife, and it's all that he has left of his wife. So maybe it is a sort of, like, extremely fucked up attempt to preserve all that is left of Nancy and his wife. But it's definitely not his wife. No. Because it killed his wife. Yes. Yes. And it probably eventually would have killed him. But what he says is, yeah, what it says is, it has the right survival. And I wrote, does it? (laughs) Does it? I don't. How the hell did all these people live is my question. And that means that they were living on the planet with the cell monster for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the cell monster doing during this time? Yeah. It's like, and the, I mean, they're chomping so down the salt tablets, I suppose. So many yeah. unanswered questions here. It's like, how did they get to the point where there wasn't enough salt for it to survive? Is it, is it a native of this Thank planet? You. Yes. Like, cause we don't actually it's know. It's implied. It's implied. That but they just sucked all the salt out That was my earth. question. Yeah. What, he says there's, there was no more salt. How can there be no more salt? In the ecosystem. But I feel like maybe they were octopuses of some sort. They lived in an ocean, then they just that sucked the ocean dry. That thing was fur. It was but not it a been sea kelp- creature. Kelpie. Kelp- no. It did it have that. Chenille. It did at that point have that very distinctive, like, fishing net couture that we have so far. <laughs> very familiar. <laughs> in Hallmark of early original theory. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, because we see it, when we see it later, it's like blue fur, sucker fingers, creepy, I don't even want to describe the mouth, mm. and like... Fishing net skirt, no, just like, like Vina. <laughs> I feel like Might maybe have been the same it skirt. could have been an ocean-dwelling thing. Although, the buildings on the planet were definitely Earth, unless we're mm-hmm. thinking it's some kind of Atlantis situation. Oh, I like that. Where they were underneath the sea. Oh, you not like anything to do with Atlantis. So do you. Fair enough. That they just sucked all of the water out of the ocean and I mean, to be suffocated it? I don't know. I mean, this planet is supposed to have been, like, dead for a lot of years. Yeah. That's yeah. why I think it how was that one? But how did that? Well, he, it's how implied that they is though. I don't know. I really. Yeah, maybe know. it's just the only one in this part of the planet. How could you know? Oh, like, I mean, just I the have one dude. So many questions about this creature. Like, is it intelligent on its own? Is it intelligent? Well, they say over and over, mim- mimicking Nancy. Is Ooh. it like? I mean, there's a difference because there's like the dog or yeah. like a sentient life form. Well, it had clothes. Where does it like the dog wears clothes? <laughs> dog does not put on its own clothes. Though. Exactly. So she wears them like, very no, it's light enough that it has a sense of its own survival yeah. and it is making plans on yeah. how it is yeah. going to survive. It strategizes. Like it strategizes and it yeah. adapts itself to the situation that it's in. Like when yeah. it's pretending to be bones, it's like okay. And choosing which person to emulate and like 
who to target is very clearly but strategy. But who to target comes by because whoever it's can help them build the strongest way. illusion. No, in some way it essentially like, oh, you're here. Well, I'm going to be this so that I can hypnotize you. Although why it just wouldn't be anyone and just walk up to them and say, hey. Well, what she says to Bones when she comes up to him, stop it. In his quarters, is she says, you have the strongest memories of me. And that, that there makes is it, no memory. But that makes it like a more powerful illusion. Like the person ah. with the fullest picture of them as a person would be the person who would be the most susceptible to her. I, was my sort of interpretation of that? off of emotions because um, <sighs> Professor Nutbag says that... Ooh, says that um, when the salt monster killed his wife, his emotions almost killed it. And it feeds off of McCoy's love of Nancy. Okay, I didn't catch that. I mean, it was also like hitting on a horror to get the loving vibes. Yeah. yeah, and that was yeah. that was the kindest it was to anyone on the ship. Mm-hmm. Except for Bones. Well, That's an interesting idea. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. not carried out at all. No. So anyways, they figure out that there is a salt monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the ship, and they're still on red alert. They're still doing the super efficient security checks. Okay. And they have set out salt baits all over the ship. Salt baits. <laughs> so stupid. Now they're no, not, not stupid. Okay, salt baits are a great stupid. idea. That's very sensible. If, if it were still roaming around the ship and not, like, sitting in the conference room pretending to be yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the with salt mates. They are traveling to strange new worlds. I'm trying not to bang the table in frustration. Why is there not some kind of test or secret word or, like, conversation? Hey, you are acting a little weird. Okay, but we've had this conversation a lot of times. It's like, why does nobody notice they've been body swapped? Thank not you. Not everybody no has. Not everybody is as genre savvy as we are and has a code word for exactly I that situation. Oh, wait. Do I remember my code word? Shit, have I been body Are you really creepy? Well, you guys have code words? Don't yeah, you? Just in case we're body swapped. Yeah. This is body swapped with someone else and try to kill me. Yeah. Except I can't remember the I forgot. We're going to have... Okay, after the episode's done, <laughs> we're going to set up a new word. We'll write it down. Put it in a special place. Yes. Very important having a code yeah. word. Yeah. Okay, but they but know, know everybody. That, they they know that, that they can swap things. And like, geez, McCoy, you're acting awfully weird. Well, they're sort of figuring this out on the fly. We do get that in later episodes where Kirk has like a code word where he's like, Everything oh, yeah. is fine. Checkmate. And everyone's like, everything is not fine. So, yeah. I mean, later on, it's a learning opportunity yeah. or something. But, like, or yeah. it's something like it hadn't occurred to the writers like yet. Starfleet should have a plan. Yeah. My other question, which I, we will come back to at the end where the fuck is HR on this ship? <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> Anyhow. But we get yeah. this little, because we're back on the ship and they're sitting in the conference room. It's, um, who's in, the, who's in the room? Rand is there. There's lots of people there. Lots of people there. So they're but trying to figure out what bones. to do with this. Yeah. So Crater is there. Spock is there. Those are Bones. And Bones is there. But not bones. But it's not Bones. It's salt Bones. It's and, uh, <laughs> Crater at this point, bones. they're having this talk about, like, oh, well, what is it? Oh, well, it's very intelligent, because they're questioning Crater, who's sort of giving them information now, but not a lot of information. And while this conversation is going on, Crater's sort of side-eyeing fake Bones and going, he knows. He totally knows. He knows. He's figured it out, like, three seconds in. As opposed to people that have known Bones for at least, I guess, five, ten years? Yeah, and, like, Bones and Crater are both defending the salt monster. Which seems uncharacteristic. And Spock's basically, I mean, to paraphrase, Spock's like, well, that's stupid. That is illogical. So, they're asking, like, can you, um, Kirk is asking Professor Nutbag, like, can you recognize it? And he's like, it's intelligent, we shouldn't be hunting it down, it's the last of its species, buffalo, 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 And he says, it needs love. Don't we all? But no, I'm saying that supports your theory about okay. feeding off of And then Kirk is like, well, we'll forego charges if we can work forego charges. Oh, okay, I forgot about this bit. Because when Crater is 
<laughs> and they're like, can you identify this monster? And he's like, I won't. It, it's intelligent. It needs love. And Kirk gives him this incredibly, like, withering look and said, you're too pure and noble. Pure, pure cinnamon bun. <laughs> and he's like, it walks and sings in my dreams. And Kirk is like, Nancy walks and sings in his dreams. Yeah. yeah. It killed Nancy. Yeah. Totally killed Nancy. Good repartee. Yes, you pure and noble thing. And he's like, it's your wife, it's your lover, your best friend, your idle slave, your wise man, your fool. Some totally malarkey. Um, and Spock's looking onto this whole thing going, are you fucking kidding But it's true. <laughs> it like, is. essentially, yeah. Crater keeps the salt vampire almost like a slave. Yeah. Like, the salt monster yeah. needs it for the love and the emotion. Yeah. That I assume it's been licking his face while he's sleeping. <laughs> But the salt monster needs him to live, and so he... Because he needs needs companionship. Yeah, and he needs it as well. Yeah, it's just really... He's definitely having sex with him. (laughs) I think there's a good chance, certainly. Uh, 99% is having sex with him. Um, But Spock and Kirk, by the end of this conversation, without him actually agreeing to anything or or saying yes for sure, although they do end the conversation ordering Bones to use truth serum... Um, but Spock and Kirk have pretty much just figured this out because the yeah, way that Bones the, react, yeah, just torture him. Yeah, but this is basically most, where I started yelling at the TV, and I was yelling at Kirk, and I was like, you know what? This dude just presented you with good options. Release it back to the planet. Let the guy take care of it. That's what he wants. And you're like, now nah, let's torture and kill it. I was. So, I didn't get that. I don't think all. that it was going to torture the the well. No, he was going to torture Crater. Yeah, to get torture. Yeah, well, he, because because they're like, can you identify this thing? And he's like, yeah, but I'm not gonna tell you where it is because they want to, you know, figure out which but crew member that it's. It's true. Kirk has a limited amount of options. Yeah, and what else is he gonna do? Impersonate anyone on the yeah, and he go around people. indiscriminately killing every single person. So their his yeah, options but, are. But the thing is, sitting there listening to Crater give like this is a very reasonable option, and if Kirk didn't give an option, no, to save the thing, send it back down to the planet, and just to. Give it a supply. Yeah, of but they say, year "Will you recognize? Do you recognize? It? Yes. Will you tell? Will you tell us? Identify it, it. No, because they, he didn't have any guarantee that they weren't going to kill it. That was yeah, their only option. That's, that's not reasonable because the choice between letting the salt monster go unhindered and letting it continue killing crew members, whatever it well, feels no, like, they wouldn't it. continue killing crew members if they had given it some kind of like if they had said, "Fine, go back to your planet. We'll bring you." They salt have no assurance here. of that, and because no, they didn't give anybody any opportunity to give any kind of assurance. They have no evidence that anything he's saying is true. I will grant you that, but it did kill five. People. Yes, because Crater's stupidity and not just being upfront. They about, have. And that's he's the only I'm, one who said that I'm it's not intelligent gonna, and emotional. He's the only one who said that. They have no, no reason to believe him. No, but they see that. But they, they see it in Nancy. They, they give it. They see it mimicking Nancy. I don't know. This is the part. It just made me extremely angry that they didn't give any kind of consideration to trying to save it. To say, okay, well, maybe if it was killing people, it was because it desperately needed this thing. Or it has whatever. the right to survive. It has the right to survive. It doesn't have the right, right to survive at the expense of like five people, though. But yeah, but if if we if it was a cow ship manned by like cows. Like yeah, stay and, with me. And the cows were like, "Oh my god, this this human being on this planet that we beam down to keeps killing and eating us." Yeah, does it not have the right to survive just because we're the dominant species up here and we happen to be their food? Yeah, exactly. And that was my that that is my entire point with this. This is why I was so mad at the end of this episode. And this is why Kirk gets a big giant check mark in my don't like Kirk column right off the bat. I did not read it that way at all. I well I did. So and I like uh, I was I was basically really like livid for the last See 10 the way I read this, this is that Crater is being just completely uncooperative. He's not going to help them none what. 
because he's being really rational at this point. No, I didn't. He's get, losing his mind a little bit. At this I didn't point. get a no. I didn't get a. He's not going to help them no matter what. Because he sat. He sat there and he laid out like this is. We need to do this. We need to be compassionate. I just heard him ranting. And they didn't give him anything. Well, they didn't even say. Well, that's that might be an option if we can figure out. Because you don't negotiate with people who are holding the lives of your crew over your head. He wasn't. I think he's trying to negotiate on behalf of the monster. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I do. I just I do. don't yeah. agree. I think that within the confines of the episode, there's not enough room to sit down and negotiate of, okay, well, option C, we know that you kill people, but we're going to put you on that crappy little planet with a whole bunch of salt and, like, drive away and pretend this never happened. Yeah. I, I get that because the end of the episode is so, is so strange. So anyway, yeah. it ends in this confrontation... With Kirk, McCoy, Spock. Salt Vampire, Spock, in a situation which need not have ended how it did. No, really no. odd. See, this is the other thing, is because this decision that they made to not do anything about trying to preserve the life basically led to Crater's death. See, I didn't actually see that as being what they were definitely going to do. I read it that they were getting from Crater that he was just not going to cooperate with them and they did the only thing they could do. I mm-hmm. think that this all monster killed Crater because it was the only one that could identify it. I yeah. think that it yeah. thought it could Definitely. get away with it. Yeah. That I will just stay on the ship. McCoy can sustain my love. I'll just like slurp a little bit. I'll just bit. switch people whenever I need to. Uh, yeah. Because we end up she turns it 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 it, it, it they 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 um, they turn back into Nancy and Kirk comes in goes running to Beezer in one hand, salt tablets in the other. And he's like, Bones, she ain't Nancy. Yeah. And McCoy, It's already beaten up Spock by this point, too, hasn't it? He bleeds green. He bleeds green. He bleeds green. That's green. Yes. amazing. Um, he bleeds so pretty. And there is this weird square standoff with everyone telling McCoy... That is a salt monster. You need to step away so I can shoot it. Which, again, do not understand why they could not just have stunned it. Yeah. Well, actually, I think they were planning on it because Bones has to shoot it twice and she was just setting on the phaser. Because mm-hmm. the first shot doesn't put it down and it keeps trying to come for her. I think they should have put it in a box and sent it down to the planet, frankly. Yeah, this is like... Yeah, I think if they managed to, like knock it out they probably would have they had no intention whatsoever basically from the meeting they decided no we're gonna kill it and they had no intention of trying to do anything but they did try to stun it like they they first showed up yeah they tried to stun it and it didn't work it got up and And it kept trying to attack yeah because they shot it yeah but they tried to stun it and it didn't work oh i don't know i just basically i was livid i think they were trying to stun it so they could get it off the ship but it didn't work, and it kept trying to attack while it didn't work, and their choice at that point was let it keep attacking and kill someone, or kill it. And so it starts attacking Kirk, and Bones finally kind of has a flash that it's a salt monster. He's like, it's like oh right, not oh. Nancy. At Shit. which point, Spock shows up in a... Oh my god. I don't even... I'm, gonna, trying I'm to... gonna borrow word bonkers. Where yeah. he shows up, is like, Bones, this is not your ex-girlfriend. Could your girlfriend take... This. Yeah. And then <laughs> repeatedly. I thought this was slapping the shit out of her. Yeah. It was really upsetting. No, you know what? Because it was so hilariously overblown stage fighting, I kept imagining it from the profile side where they're like like three feet apart. It was really quite scary because she has this strange, slightly happy, vacant expression on yeah. her face. As he is like 
slapping her back and forth. back and then winding up. And then he was like, smacking her Vulcan in the strength. Face. Yeah. Yeah, and Vulcans are stronger than humans. So he's definitely like beating the shit out of her. I hope he was sure what he was <laughs> Could she take this? Yeah. Um, at which point McCoy's like, oh, well, I guess. Lord forgive me. And, and that's when shoots he- it dead. Yeah. And then we have our last episode, which is Kirk on the bridge. And everyone's like, I think Spock's like, what are you thinking about, Captain? And Kirk Poor is Bond. like, the buffalo. Yeah. We yeah. killed those, too. No, we didn't. We didn't kill all of them, did we? Just this last one that tried to kill us first. <laughs> he was an angry buffalo. The angriest of all buffalo. <laughs> so that was the man trap. Originally called, um, the original title was Damsel with the Dulcimer. What? <laughs> There's no dulcimer in that. Where was the dulcimer? <laughs> I think it was a metaphorical dulcimer. Okay, I'm dying to know what the fuck that was referring to. I would love to know. I wanted to say it was like an Orpheus thing. Damsel of the dulcimer? With. With. With the dulcimer. With the dulcimer. But okay. the Orpheus myth, Orpheus had the dulcimer. Yeah. And it was a liar. That's Actually, a bad that, title. That all falls apart the more I think about The it. man trap is a little better. <laughs> but she wasn't specifically going after men. It would have no. stuck on her too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Given the chance. <laughs> But on the other hand, wouldn't we all? Yeah. So, casualties? Uh, four? Well, Five. Six, one salt monster. Five. Four crewmen? No, six. Four crewmen, a uh, a Dr. Crater, and a salt monster. So it's six. Oh, yeah. I... We don't count Dr. Nutjob because... <laughs> Team Salt Monster. He's counting the casualties. He does. He, he led, he, they led a good life. Um, lessons learned. I really want to go with the female <laughs> the species is more deadly than the male. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I like that yeah. one. Also, never try to hook up with ex-girlfriends. Ooh, definitely in space. That never goes well for anybody or ex-boyfriends. That's a very good point. If you left them behind on another goddamn planet, it was for a reason. <laughs> but doesn't Picard have a girl that he kind of owns and off again? Yeah, that's Vash. She's different, though. He meets her on Rifa. Yeah. Oh, for one, Wrigley's for friend another, friend. there's time travel involved, and for another, she's also Q's girlfriend, so it's a little bit. Mm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she okay. actually dumps him for Q. <gasps> Fair, <laughs> but yeah, basically, if you left that girl on the planet, you left her for a reason. Don't go back. Well, I've got another lesson, which we actually see them having learned in later series because they have a protocol to make goddamn sure of it. Before you leave an archaeological team on a faraway isolated planet, make goddamn sure the planet is actually lifeless. But I don't think they did those tests too thoroughly. There is a very good scene where they say you can find a matchstick on that planet, yet no one scanned it to see if there was a salt vampire. <laughs> yeah. In the off chance. <laughs> so when this aired, the reviews for the very first Star Trek episode were uh, not positive. It was This episode was called Dreary and Confusing. And the only good thing that they had to say about it was that the lead performers are trying very hard. <laughs> oh, I'm mean, doing their best. It wasn't dreary. I mean, but it dreary. was just, it suffered from if you had just explained this earlier syndrome. Yeah. I and didn't which, understand the, the motivations of the professor. Yeah, no, no, no not at no. all. He seems, he seems no. completely like, and I want to say out of character, but it's not what I mean because we don't know this guy, but like, there was no reason whatsoever for him. He's to behaving incredibly irrational. Yeah. There was a, 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 you know, an animal that had killed his wife. But he had sort of forgiven it and moved past that and would like to keep this animal well, alive. May I have a shit ton of salt? Here's here's why I think that was 
the case. And I think it's, and I know I said this already four or five times. I think it's because this was not written as the first episode. So it's assuming a lot of things that have our information that's already been delivered. There was like three episodes before. Yeah, but I that's think that why he kept so much alive was that he it was allowed that his wife would be alive. Yeah, like she would be all allowed, he had left of her. Yeah, it's all that he had left. She would be with him. She would be his wife as he knew it, just licking his face when he was sleeping. Not to mention that, but they were that alone. when they showed up to do that medical exam, they were going to find out that that is not his wife yeah. because they didn't actually do the medical exam. No, they never did. I'm assuming that when they run the tricorder lab, like oh. That's you a salt vampire. Uh, salt vampire. Yeah. So I think I get it that he wanted to keep his wife, and if they came in and did that medical exam, it would prove, and they would take him Can you imagine that he spent all that time? I still think there's no reason for him. He wouldn't need to go into all the, you know, details of if he was banging the salt monster I think or they would ask, where is your well, wife? Well, you have then? to think. Well, she would have dead this thing that he just spent, assumes her shape or whatever. she's been dead know. two or three years I'm pretty sure people would judge that if, he, if she's been dead two or three years then it's been two or three at years least since two. at least two probably three it's been that long since they saw anybody else so he spent that whole time going this is all I have left of Nancy I have no other by the way did they come in a ship I wondered this were they completely stranded along on this planet they just dropped there to do but, archaeology well, no, because, because, no, no 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 because there were other ships that had been passed in the other years picking up the items that they had dug up Yes, okay. because there is a line that they know yeah. that he used to send back a lot of stuff, but that's tapered off over the last year or so. I but feel I think like the wife only died there? a year ago. Yeah. And then this was the year well, that... because yeah. they also make the point of saying that they're supposed to have a medical exam every, every year. year. So okay. I feel like so been this is the year where the crisis came, where he's like, I'm going to get find out. They're going to take me yeah. either away from her... And there's nothing he can do about me. it. No. There's because nothing he can do say, about it. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Crater, we're just going to... I think that they would have separated, and yeah. that's why he goes through this elaborate charade. Because at this point, they've got this incredibly this intense and disturbing symbiosis going on, where he yes. needs it, and it needs him, and there is nothing he can do about it at all except be angry and yeah. shout a lot and tell people to get off his planet, which, of course, is going to make them immediately suspicious, which it does, but again, nothing he can do about it. No. So, we'll go around the table. Best performance of the episode. We'll start with Kim. Best performance of the episode? Yeah, best acting. Ooh, Nichelle Nichols. Give me some <laughs> of her. She was lovely. No? All right. I do think she had the best rounded performance for sure. I am going to go in a different direction. I am going to say Bruce Watson, the gentleman who played Crewman Green. <laughs> <laughs> so Ooh. that is the body that it... First, the salt monster first turns into as a starfleet and sneaks its way onto the ship. He did you know a lot what? of like, not a lot of words, no, um, but a lot of physical acting. He looked deeply suspicious. You know the what? Entire time. I agree with you. I'm gonna have to say 50-50. I didn't think of that because I have this thing because science fiction does this a lot. Fantasy does too, but science fiction does it a lot where you do a body swap episode, and you can tell it's a good show by whether or not the actor who has been swapped gets to play the role or not. So. They did in this case. They made it look like the body that the the character that the monster was inhabiting, and that's really difficult to pull off convincingly. And he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, best fashion: Aurora's beautiful lime fluorescent green earrings. Who earrings of that? Yep. Ooh. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna make fun of uh, Nancy Crater's space archaeologist outfit, but uh, since we're running for positives, I do think Uhura had the best of the lot, especially since literally everyone else in this episode was in uniform, so that's really <laughs> all we got to show for. Bearing, um, yeah. I'm going to go with Professor Crater, 
who is for no reason whatsoever wearing a giant rubber bodysuit. The shapeless coverall. <laughs> in the desert to mm-hmm. do archaeology while his wife is wearing a tiny dress. And spike heels. Oh, and was she wearing heels? She was wearing yeah. amazing boots. Oh, yeah. They were great for boots. Earth. For a city on Earth, maybe. But uh, maybe not so much sand. That should have been their first tip-off. That's why you need to have a woman on your landing party. That's true. Oh, wait. Are those shoes totally nonsensical? It's probably an alien. <laughs> Having sex with this guy has been alone for too long. Too long. Um, favorite, favorite moment of the episode. Favorite moment of the episode is probably Janice Rand and Sulu growing out in botany. That was delightful. Mm-hmm. All right. Uhura and her handsome man salt monster. Mm. Taking it where she can get it. And mine would be zigzag, zigzag, <laughs> zigzag, zigzag. I certainly hope that was your favorite part, given how many times we had to watch it. So many times. Now, I have a question for you guys. Should McCoy been relieved of his duties? At what point? At, I'm going to say the point where he had the soliloquy over the dead guy's corpse. Wait, I mean, like, like for the remainder of the yeah. mission? Just? Yeah. yeah. I, I probably, Should he be fired? Fired permanently? Yes. I think I probably would have t- get, taken him temporarily off of off-duty when he started acting irrationally and clearly biased, I wouldn't fire him. Because that thing had psychic whammy powers. I don't think it was using them on McCoy. I think it was at a certain point. I think it was just McCoy all the way up and I would have relieved him of duty because he was emotionally compromised, but then I would have let him back on after the monster was dead. Maybe after some therapy. <laughs> he refused to shoot that monster. It took ages. He eventually did. I think an argument can be made for a psychic monster whammy. Um, I think he should not have been relieved of duty. I think Kirk did the right thing in basically yelling at him to get your shit together. Um, and I forgive him for all of the crappy stuff at the end because he had just woken up from a lot of sleeping pills. <laughs> so your answer is not guilty because of drugs. Yes. Now, my question, we've kind of touched on this before. Was it wrong... To kill the salt monster. Yes. Ultimately or at that moment? I'm going to say in the situation, you're McCoy with the phaser. It's it's trying to kill my best friend. Yeah, I'm going to shoot it. Really? He tried to stun it and it didn't go down. And then it tried to attack everybody at that point. It's not going to stop. You tried to stun it. Stunning isn't working. Your choice at the moment is, I don't know if it was right, but I, I think it was justifiable at that point. Because it was a moment of actual imminent violence like your choice is stop it or let somebody die i think that they try to frame it in the way that it is a bear like it is it is cunning it likes salt (laughs) it's sometimes nice to hug um but ultimately is dead some people have sex with them um but I feel like that's what they're trying to say, that it is a, an animal that is dangerous towards humans. It is fatal when they come together. I feel like they could have tried a net or, like, a baseball bat to the head. Yeah, I did wonder why they didn't have some kind of giant space net when they went to McCoy's quarters knowing that it's there. Like, surely security is trained for dangerous alien animals. It seemed a really weird strategy. Because it's just Bones and Kirk. It's well, just McC- yeah. Kirk and uh, Spock. From the second that they decided at that conference table that they weren't going to be kind and try and save the monster or whatever, it was going to die. And so, basically, it was 
know, it was wrong to kill it. I didn't like the ending. Four people, and then it was trying to kill another one. Need of salt because crater. But it, yeah, but that doesn't make it okay. Why didn't it kill crater? Because it needs crater to get him salt. But not I, at that point, it doesn't. Was its long-term strategy to ditch Crater and hook up with McCoy permanently? Like, I don't was think that so. its plan? I don't think so. What do you think was the end game for the salt monster? More salt. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that was the case, the path of least resistance would have been to go for the salt baits that were all over the ship. Except it was trapped in the conference room because it was dressed up like McCoy. Couldn't have moment. said, I have an urgent business call. <laughs> <laughs> I think it excuse itself to go have some salt. Like, I think that at that point, everyone was just reacting in places where they didn't have a lot of choices, including the salt monster. It's like, but for for McCoy, his choices were very limited, and one of them was Kirk dying in front of him because of his inaction, and one of them was killing the monster. We do see that the monster is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, wails on it mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And does nothing. And it does nothing. Yeah. I don't feel like they could have tried stunning it. Well, he they did try stunning it. It didn't work. Harder to stun yeah. it. Um, yeah, they could have tried harder to not with kill. With what? I don't know. They're, they're on a setting. starship. They got replicators. They I don't do whatever they, they want. They didn't have time at that point. Like I don't know. I don't know why it's just Kirk and Spock who go running to Bones' quarters, and not like a passel of security guards with advanced That's monster containment gear. Why not say McCoy? Could you? come out of that room for a minute. Yeah. But the second that we get into that situation where the monster is like beating the crap out of Spock and and about to totally murder Kirk right in front of Bones, the choices are gone. There are no other options. You don't have time to go and get other things to maybe try and stun it. Your choice is kill the monster or let it kill Kirk. Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, there's nothing else to do. So would you recommend that people watch this episode, Kim? Yes, I would recommend people watch this episode. Um, skip the last ten minutes if you're easily enraged <laughs> by, you know, Kirk being a dick. But He's not a dick! He's oh. not. Kim got really over emotionally attached to this monster. I did. Did you sympathize with that monster? I did. I did. Kim, not much Do you sympathize with the crystalline entity? Not the crystalline entity, no. I'm just saying. No. Salt monster, though? Buffalo. Last of its kind, just wants some salt. There are still buffalo. You ones. also wouldn't choose a buffalo over a human being, no matter how mean you were being to the buffalo. The last one, though. Yeah. That, I, I wondered that, yeah. It's like, aren't there... Well, I mean, he doesn't know that. How does he know that? <laughs> if we're going back to what I recommend this episode, yes, it was delightful. It had a lot of great crew... Mm, great friends, character stuff. Like great character stuff and people being delightful to each other and friends and Aurora's lovely earrings. And mm. Yes, watch this episode. Yeah. I think so, too. It had... You know how I love Kitchen Table. Mm. I love Kitchen Table. This episode had a ton of it. I mean, compared to the cage, it was like 80% Kitchen Table. It wasn't 80% Kitchen Table, but it felt that way. I love those moments. I will watch... In, I would watch an entire show that was just the Enterprise crew hanging around in, like, the lounge and talking about their siblings and playing chess and making we'll fun of there. each other's dating. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. But yes, I do recommend. I really enjoyed it, and it had some interesting, if confusing, moral questions to be solved and some puzzles to be worked out, and it was a pretty good example of an episode of Star Trek. And you? <laughs> Obviously, I loved it. <laughs> you I loved the entire thing. <laughs> uh, spoke to me in a deep place. I hate mysteries. They can be a I got a one right now. Fucking need to work on that impression. <laughs> it's terrible. Got lots of time. Damn. 
Google. There has to be a YouTube video on how to do a Shatner impression. Oh, Internet, if that okay, is not the case, get on it. Watch more stuff. <gasps> there you go. Ooh. Anyways, thank you for listening. Um, I'm Green saying goodbye. Bye from Kim. Bye from Ari.